0: We are right now in the middle of our Pentecost series, which we have called the Covenant of the Spirit. That is why you see the, the umbrellas, symbolism of protection, symbolism of God's covering over us. And, and some families took them home, and they did some beautiful creations. We have some here, down here. And it's beautiful when the entire congregation gets involved in teaching symbolically the Scripture. Because God's covenant is, is important to us because it basically teaches the idea that God promises in spite of our weakness, in spite of our unfaithfulness, in spite of whatever it is that we're into, God promises, I will be your God and you will be my people. And that is something that God has taken to heart very, very seriously and that God has committed to make happen in spite of you and in spite of myself. So God is going to make a people that he's going to call his people, and we are going to have a a God that we're going to call our God. In the first week, we basically dealt with the idea that, uh, uh, you know, uh, God's effort, you see the finger of God in that beautiful painting in the Sistine Chapel in Italy. You see God's firm finger reaching out in energy to the human being. Because God's effort has been, and is directed, dedicated to bring wellness to God's creation, including God's people. And God's motivation there was so, of such manner that God created a people called the church. And that God is going to embody, is going to inhabit, is going to live within that people, that church, in a very mysterious and yet full of grace. Last week, I told you I was going to step in some toes... Not today. Today we bring the balm of Gilead. And we did so because the spirit of truth leads us to all truth, and we don't always like all truth. We like our domesticated, our, you know, uh, fit to, to customize our truth. And my argument was that even though we tend to domesticate to distort Jesus, the Spirit of God will lead us to the truth of Jesus, which was not an American, was not a nationalist, and does not support in any way, shape, or form divisions, racisms, feminism, and I mean, any of those isms are just out of the plate because we are God's people. And God and God is our God, and therefore Jesus is not domesticated to any of our cultures. Can you, I was thinking after I said that, can you imagine how many countries have there been since the resurrection of Jesus? Right now we have an idea of of, of nation countries with borders. Back then there were borders, but there were Italy, for example, had over a hundred and plus nation states. Remember, so they were divided. So how many kingdoms have been risen? How many kingdoms have fallen in the last 2,000 2000 years? And yet, the church of Jesus Christ remains throughout all that up and down. Because Jesus Christ is Lord of all that is, that was, and is to come. Today, I would like to share a little bit about the idea of unity in the Holy Spirit. Unity is very difficult. Unity is so difficult that it needs to be intentional. It is so difficult that God decided to send God's own spirit to make it happen. Because we just can't make it happen. The song we just sang make us one, it is the biblical approach of, the, of unity. It is not that we are so good and so together that we can come in unity. No, it is the Spirit of God that is sent to dwell in us that moves us to declare it and to practice in the community of the saints in the church. And that is a sign of God's love and God's power. I don't, let me see in the worship guide, let me give you the references for that scripture. It is, it is Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and that was combined with Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. If you have a green hymnal, it's number 665, I think, the reading. One of those, remember the old antiphonal readings in the old hymn books? This was one of them. We just did one of them. So that's the reference of that text. When I said last week that we tend to domesticate, to accommodate, to box Jesus to our ourselves or to our culture, this is one example of it. For example... Back in in, in the old days, as this country is coming together, we thought that unity was the same as uniformity. We distorted the biblical idea of unity with uniformity. And everybody in the country did that. When I used to go to South America and visit churches, I was very surprised that everybody was in the same church the poor, the rich, the Native Americans, the white Europeans, the the slave descendants. Everybody was in the same church. You know why? Because it was the only church in town. So they didn't have a choice to, to accommodate and to divide themselves. They didn't have the privilege to have a black church in the country, a black church in the inner city, a white church in the suburb, a mega white church everywhere else. You know, they didn't have that privilege. And we thought that unity was uniformity. So we began all having the same hymn books. We began to all kind of dress the same way to go to church. Now We don't do that here, except James. <laughs> yeah, he brings his suit and tie. Of course, he's an usher today, so he was going to look good for all of you, right? We, we, we all said the same prayers. We, we all kind of look, actually, if they were all white, not all white people were going to the same church. If it was an all-black community, not all the black same people went to the same church because not only did we divide ourselves among races, we also divided ourselves amongst economic classes. So that's a church for the uppity. I ain't going in there. you heard that one. That's a rich people church. And let me tell you one thing. I was desperate one time for a job, and I went to sell graveyard, grave plots, (laughs) tumbas. Can you imagine me selling tumbas? There wasn't a fun way of doing, you know, selling tombs, uh, and it just didn't fit my personality. But one of the things I discovered, (laughs) it just didn't work out. One of the things I found out was that people were willing to listen to me as long as it didn't have to do with death. So we were also divided according to how we die. And I remember a family in this church was very concerned because they decided to, to go by, what? Uh, uh, become ashes. What's that called? Cremation. Yes, cremation. Instead of being buried. And then they got a whole guilt trip because they decided to do that. And the other ones were saying, well, you're supposed to be buried in full body with casket. Well, that's a privilege. You can afford it. Think about it. So we begin to divide ourselves through economy. We begin to divide ourselves through neighborhoods. We begin to divide ourselves because we thought that unity was uniformity. I remember wearing that same uniform every day to the school. And I'm not saying that's not. It's good to have that kind of uniformity in elementary school. Because it develops an inner sense of organization and order and also of belonging. But when our society does that, and then we say, no, you can't come here because your class don't belong to this church. We begin to even divide ourselves through classes, through economic factors. uh, So when I was going around, you know, selling tombs, one of the guys told me to drive around churches. Drive around church parking lots and see what kind of cars are parked in that church. According to the cars parked in the church, you may have a chance to sell tombs or not. But you see, they, the, the business people knew that we divided ourselves according to the Lexuses and Lincolns. And, and, and Mercedes go to this church. To my Toyota go to the other one. You see? So we were just finding all sorts of ways of being very uniform. And we thought, and that's okay, in that time we thought that uniformity was unity. It took a while for the church to discover that instead of following the teachings of Jesus, they were actually following our own cultural ideas. Do you see that? And it's just things that we just fall into without no one really intending it to do it. We really thought that was the way. Individuals practiced unity and, and, and when they were all look alike, when they all had similar education, when they all had similar incomes. They were united. And then we begin to talk about them versus us. And that's when the whole trick was out. Because the minute we see ourselves as them versus us, unity is destroyed. Unity is nothing but a phantom, a ghost them versus us." See, the Scripture tells us to make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because as I said earlier, it is very difficult to be united. It needs to be an intentional effort. It needs to be something that we as a church want to do, and we as a community are willing to pay the price. And when I came on board this church, that was the first time this church was put together, some of you may not know the history, but those individuals that put this church together, the leadership team, the vision team, they knew that in the process of opening the doors to the community, which was like calling the devil to the church, I remember (laughs) saying, I When we decided to, actually, they decided to open the doors to the community, and then they told me to do it. Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) So, we did. And people began to come in that we weren't expecting, that we'd never seen before. You know, God was very merciful. Do you realize, those of us who put Light of Hope together, that there was no real visitor who committed to Light of Hope in this church for the first two years? I think God was merciful (laughs) and didn't allow them to see the squabbles because we were three families, and we were pulling to do it my way or their way. Remember the first Christmas, I used to ask, what did you do at Christmas in your church? And they would tell me, what did you do in your church? And they would tell me, and what did they do in your church on Christmas? And they would tell me, and I turned around and says, okay, we can't do any of that stuff. Because then he would be so I needed to create a new sense of unity. A new sense of unity, not in uniformity. When I came out, the question was asked, what version of the Bible are we going to have in the pews? And then he liked my answer. Because my answer, Dr. Reverend, was the one you like best. What? No. We're supposed to all have the same version. Why? Miss Linda likes King James. That's Chinese to me. (laughs) Might as well. So we have the freedom to have unity in the Word of God, but each one of us will listen to it as our hearts is able to understand it. That's why I encourage diversity of Scripture reading. That's why I encourage diversity of hymns. We have a hymn book in front of you or somewhere under your chairs, which is a symbol, right? <laughs> That's what I'm coming down to be. It's a symbol because we don't use them. Because we use five or six hymnals. They love me for that. <laughs> so we get from a whole plethora of different places. So unity is no longer... Uniformity. We celebrate diversity in this church by coming together, by being teachable and unafraid of one another. We celebrate unity in our congregation when we share our stories, when we share our life's backgrounds, and then we begin to understand one another. Even during the car wash, during the night, the parents' night out, things were being shared that none of us knew about each other, and instead of those things pushing us apart, they brought us together because as one of the observations that was made we are both the two ladies here were both human the church celebrates diversity and, and, and celebrates uni, unity in Christ when we become one in purpose and one in mission. And our one purpose is, to, is to, to, to grow the church with disciples of Jesus Christ. They would not want to be sitting down bench warmers, but they would want to wreak havoc in this community for God's glory. So we invite you to have an idea, you have something in your heart that you would like to bring to the community, to the church. Talk to us about it. Talk to us about it. We celebrate unity and diversity in our church when we offer our respects to one another. And when we treat one another in the spirit of servanthood. When we don't think of ourselves better than the other because I was Baptist. Well, I wasn't. Thank God. No. (laughs) People think that because I come from Puerto Rico. I was Catholic at one time. I don't know a relative of mine who was or is. Interesting, huh? breaks the the stereotype. The church celebrates diversity through unity when we have what's called sacrificial love. We read it when we said, bear one another in love. When I have to take that second breath privately and come out and greet you with my love and open arms, it's genuine. But it's sacrificial, and we all do it when one attitude of service, and when we check our egos and our personal agendas, and we put them away. The church celebrates diversity when we embrace others who are stranger than even ourselves. Because we need to pretend that we have it all together. The only one that has it all together is Jesus, and he even keeps us together as much as God's grace allows it. Unity is difficult, and it needs to be done intentional. It is so difficult that God sent God's Spirit to move us to declare it, to practice it in the community of the saints, the church. It is a sign of God's love and a sign to the world that we belong to Jesus. The Lord's Prayer, which we will do after I finish this prayer, is not the Lord's Prayer, but okay, tradition, okay. The Lord's Prayer is found in John 17. And Jesus says the following. Let us pray with Jesus. My prayer for all of them, all of us, is that they will be one. Like you, O Father, and I are one. Then the world will know that you sent me. And will understand that you love them as much as you love me. Let's continue in prayer. Oh God, we are one with you. You have made us one with you. You have taught us that if we are open to one another, you dwell in us. Help us to preserve this openness and to fight it, fight for it with all our hearts. Help us to realize that there can be no understanding where there is no where there is mutual Rejection, Oh, God, in accepting one another wholeheartedly, fully and completely, we also accept you, and we thank you that we can even adore you, and we love you for your whole being, because our being is in your being. Our spirit is rooted with your spirit. Fill us with the love of your spirit and let us be bond together with love as we go in our such diverse ways. Unite us in this spirit so that the world will see that you are our Lord and make us your witness to the ultimate reality that is love. Love has overcome Love is victorious. Through Christ we pray, saying the prayer that Jesus taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Earth as it is in here. Yeah, we'll do that one now. Give us this, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors.